morning and welcome into the show. It is Daniel Wartman coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. It is Thursday, April the 2nd. We are quickly approaching our one-year anniversary. We're excited about that. Sadly, it's coming in the midst of this coronavirus, but, um, you know, who knew a year ago we'd be here? But uh, it is what it is. We are here, and we are um, we're all dealing with this on a daily basis, and uh, it's just something that uh, we're all having to uh, make adjustments to and, you know, get through. And uh, we will, uh, we will get through this. It may not be um, easy, but uh, we will be able to get through it eventually. Um, just continue to listen to uh, your local uh, officials, and uh, hopefully, we can um, we can all work together to to end this uh, sooner rather than later. Um. It's just, uh, it's a bizarre world we're living in. Coming up a little bit later on the show, we have the uh, co-founder and director of coaching of CP Soccer. They are a new uh, member to U.S. Soccer. And um, to explain a little bit more about CP Soccer, uh, we will have on the show Ashley Hammond. Um, And uh, if you're, you know, unsure of of what cp soccer is and is all about he's going to he's going to give us the insight into that um but uh, that is coming up here in just a few minutes after the break uh we we started yesterday talking a little bit about infantino's revenge and uh the situation in trinidad and tobago and and the, the summary of this is that uh you know the um Those who were in charge of Trinidad and Tobago didn't see eye to eye with Infantino is, is basically the summary and and Infantino came came down and um and enacted what we what we talked about yesterday with the um normalization committee, normal normalization process and um it is a, it's a story we're going to continue to follow, but there's so many things going on in the world right now. Uh, I feel like uh, we need to we need to talk about some of them, which are a little bit more pressing at the moment. Um, in terms of you know the world of soccer and and the world we are living in uh, as well, and um, uh, w- one of the um, one of the um, situations we're, we're seeing right now is that uh, Belgium has canceled their season uh, and Club Rouge are the champions. Um, the uh, other leagues are all trying to figure out what to do um, in terms of the uh UEFA situation, the Champions League, um, and in all of the UEFA fixtures have been suspended indefinitely. Uh, so there is not uh, specific, you know, outcomes that are attached to that yet. Uh, that's just that's just where um, where we're sitting, and. Everyone is is kind of watching and waiting. Uh, in sports news, Wimbledon, uh, the uh, the British Open, and golf, um, both uh, were canceled uh, for the first time, I believe, since World War II. And we are um, awaiting the um, final verdict um, with FIFA. What FIFA has been trying to do is create a scenario where player contracts would not expire at the end of June. 
that they would extend to the end of the season. And uh, in the past, that's not really mattered because all the seasons finished up for the most part uh, in May. Very few finished up in June, June 30th being the, the expiration of a contract. If these leagues come back and try to finish out the last, you know, six, eight weeks of their season, and it may run through June into a little bit of July, then, you know, the, the player contracts would be voided. And so they're trying to, they're trying to work through that. And that plan has not been finalized, but it is being discussed how to, how to do that. Uh, and is that a one-time deal? Uh, which I think probably would be how they'd have to go about this is like an emergency rule. Um, uh, but uh, the the um, the actual, you know, player contract for 2021, 2022, etc., would remain with the the June thirtieth date. It's is basically what we're what we're looking at. Uh, in other news, um, the law firm that was critical of the U.S. women's national team uh, has asked to withdraw withdraw from the lawsuit. Seaforth Shaw, the law firm whose arguments critical of American women's players led to the resignation of U.S. Soccer Federation President Carlos Cordero. And again, I'll say for the millionth time, it's not the only thing that should have happened. The board were culpable. Carlos was one of the board members, not the only one. Members of the uh, women's national team filed a gender, gender discrimination suit against the U.S. Soccer Federation last year under the Equal Pay Act and the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Um. In papers filed March 9th by Seafarth Shaw, the U.S. Soccer Federation argued women's national team players had lesser skills and responsibilities than their male counterparts. Um, following widespread criticism that included rebukes by several uh, U.S. soccer sponsors, Cordero apologized and brought in Latham and Watkins. The firm where former U.S. soccer president Alan Rothenberg is a retired partner. Latham defended the U.S. Soccer Federation in a wage discrimination complaint filed by women's players in 2016 with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. You guys see the pattern here. I mean, we talk about this regularly on the show, the links. You know, you, you go and you look at uh, Cindy Parlocone, who, you know, is, a, is elected vice president within days the owner of North Carolina FC, where she is also employed as part of that, uh, you know, association of clubs between the pro and the youth setup, is added to the board. A few weeks later, CEO and North Carolina FC board member is is made CEO of U.S. Soccer. Now we get into this, and we turn back to Alan Rothenberg's former firm. He's the former president of U.S. Soccer. They keep it in the family. They keep it in the family. It is just absurd that more is not written about this aspect of the Federation, how they operate. It is just crazy. Kristen M. Peters of Seafarth Shaw filed a request to withdraw Wednesday night on behalf of herself and Brian M. Stolzenbach, uh, Chantel C. Egan, Cheryl A. Luce, Ellen E. McLaughlin, Giovanna A. Ferrari, Killen B. Kershaw, Noah A. Finkel, and Shirley K. Smintek. Jamie Wine of Latham and Watkins was listed as the new counsel in the filing, which was signed by Greg Fike, a U.S. Soccer Federation senior counsel. U.S. Soccer Federation chief legal officer Lydia Waltke has been placed on administrative leave. So, in other news regarding this case, the Federation officially withdrew that last legal argument and complaint uh, in their most uh, recent filing as well. 
that news also broke last night. So, uh, you know, we shall we shall see. Um, but it is, um, it is is kind of a, a as the world turns, so are the days of our lives kind of scenario here with uh, with U.S. soccer and. Again, more in the media needs to be um, looked at in terms of how the Federation does their business. How do they handle their business? How do they do what they do? Uh, because when you look at the the trends and you look at the actions, they don't uh, give us uh, a lot of uh, assurances as to things getting done properly and the right way. And uh, and and it's just. You know, you're looking at the millions of registered players, the thousands of soccer clubs in this country. We need a federation that's there for all of us, for everyone, everywhere. This 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 crisis is hitting hard. Uh, lots of clubs, um, adult amateur, uh, youth clubs. Uh, it, it's hitting a lot of of, of places. And the longer this thing take, you know, uh, puts things on hold, U.S. Youth Soccer announced yesterday that they are canceling all of their uh, major championships this summer. Uh, so no national championships, no regionals, etc. Um, which, you know, quite frankly, I'm in favor of continuing the, those cancellations for them. <laughs> uh, no reason why a 12 year old needs to be traveling, um, you know, transcontinental flights. To, to play four games uh, but uh, even if even if you're gonna do something like that it's it's great uh, that US youth soccer has it, it had the uh, the foresight to say you know what in, in light of current economic situations uh, in relation to the coronavirus situation we're all dealing with we're not going to do these tournaments this summer and um, and so you're seeing this trickle down. What is the Federation going to do? Are they going to be able to help? Are they going to be able to provide assistance? And that assistance may not just be financial assistance. It might be, you know, working to provide or help with uh, resources. You know, maybe they, they can't give everybody money, but they can help in other ways. I, but have we seen anything from the Federation in that regard? Not really, not a lot. They came out with a PR campaign talking about, you know, basically social distancing. Um, that's great, but that's, that's not enough. There's a lot going on here. The NPSLs canceled their season. So there's, there's a lot of things that we have to deal with. A lot of things we're, we're sorting through and we'll just have to see how it goes. Um, our sponsor this half hour is Ductic Brand, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. We talk about them every day on this show and uh, every day that you haven't gone and ordered is a day you are missing out. Um, Ductic is, is always coming up with, uh, with new products and all of their products uh, are, are really, really cool and they are made just for soccer for soccer players, soccer coaches, uh, goalkeepers, whatever the case, check them out at ductigbrand.com, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com and use promo code DWSHOW and you'll get 10% off of your next order at ductigbrand.com. We'll be right back after this.
Thanks for tuning in on this Thursday. Having some uh, issues uh, getting Ashley connected, and uh, we're working on that. I hope to have him uh, join the show here in just a few minutes. Uh, But while we wait, I want to get back to what we were just talking about before the break, and uh, and that is, uh, you know, looking at how the Federation operates. when when you dig into the connections and the relationships and the internal dealings of the federation uh it is it is an issue um you connect the dots and you see how a few uh organizations and a few people in the grand scheme of things um are essentially running the federation um and you know when you look at it you 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 really start to take into consideration that um this is not operating as a federation for everyone it's not operating as a federation for all and uh and that needs to change quite frankly um it is it is uh, it is a national governing body, um, but when you look at how things are are done uh, and who is um, in leadership positions, uh, you you realize that uh, things are are much more connected than um, than you would have thought, right? So. Uh, we talked a little bit about Wasserman Media Group and their influence and effect, uh, Major League Soccer and Soccer United Marketing, um, their influence and effects on the Federation. And uh, it, it it's just it's just been a little bizarre uh, at Coach Willie 1875. Uh, he's uh, he's been on the show recently uh, as a guest. Uh, he tweeted some comments in relation to. Uh, an episode that uh, that we uh, released on the podcast uh, last week, which is um, a a podcast episode uh, that was took place on March 24th, which was a 2020 U.S. Soccer Federation conference call with Cindy Parlocone, the president of U.S. Soccer, and Will Wilson, the new CEO of U.S. Soccer. And uh, I encourage you to uh, to go and and check. Uh, check that out. Uh, his his comments. Uh, he uh, he really asked some some very poignant questions, and uh, and and some of those questions we're, we look we will look to uh, to dig into here on the show, uh, maybe a little bit uh, later today or tomorrow. Uh, but they're worth uh, reading and considering uh, the answers to those uh, um, questions that uh that he was um you know asking in in regards to what he listened to and their answers to the questions from the media uh he's critical of the media etc and uh so we'll just kind of see uh you know how he how he does uh and uh joining the show now i believe we've got him ashley hammond ashley welcome to the show how are you good morning daniel 
Um, how are how are things uh, your way and uh, in 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 terms of all this uh, coronavirus situation and uh, in 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 kind of what effect has it had on your your day to day life? Uh, good question. I'm sure. Like uh, first of all, I hope you're well. Hope your family's well. Um, so far, so good here at our end in terms of health. But obviously, people around us are. Uh, significantly affected um one of my sons unfortunately we is currently suffering with the virus he's doing okay though not not too bad um uh, isolated of course the uh, soccer world of course is um not doing so well as a sports facility owner we're shut down but that gives me some good time to do some stuff um and my other life my other world my cp soccer world um we uh, we just keep plugging along trying to look forward to when things open up again Speaking of CP soccer, I tease this at the top of the show. You guys are new members to the Federation. And for anyone watching who uh, or listening to this, who who's, you know, wondering what does that mean? CP soccer. Can you, can you kind of give us the background story of CP soccer and, and, and what it's all about? Sure. So the U S the U S soccer Federation um, supports a number of different um, what they call extended national teams. And one of those national teams is the is the para seven aside national team. And in order to be eligible to play for that team, you have to either have had a stroke, have cerebral palsy or a traumatic brain injury. And so the U.S. national team has the uh, one. Of, it's one of the best national teams that the U.S. puts out. It's uh, ranked fourth in the world. A wonderful team. Stuart Sharp is the head coach. And uh, my son happens to play for them. My son is a uh, has cerebral palsy, had a stroke in utero. And at 17, 18 years of age, he's currently the youngest member of the team, has been for a number of years because he's been playing on the team on and off since he's 15, uh, 13, sorry. Yeah, he started when he was 13. So he's been with the team five years. And so over the last three years, uh, four years ago, it, it was evident to us that there's no real uh, youth pathway to the national team. Stuart and the Federation relies really upon finding people through a very good social media campaign and just people that happen along. And so myself and another parent uh, of a player, Eli Hallowell, got together and said, well, why don't we try to create it? And so three years ago, we set out to uh, effectively build the junior pathway from uh, however young a soccer player with CP stroke TBI wants to play right up to the national team. And that's what we're doing. And so CP Soccer is a nonprofit organization that we now have operating in nine cities and we've taken our first European tour last March, a year ago this weekend, actually, to, to Ireland to play an under-15 tournament. And we were scheduled to play in the World Club Championship this summer in Barcelona. And we also had uh, uh, an under-16 team going to uh, Scotland to play. And uh, we were also going to host Belgium, Ireland and Bangladesh in New Jersey in July for a, a festival of our own. And so CP Soccer in three years has exploded across the country. And we have hundreds of members across the country that play weekly, all of whom fit in that criterion. And, and that's what we do. And it's a lot of fun. And we're, we're working hard at it. And we have enormous support from U.S. soccer. They are truly fantastic in their support of us. So I hope that gives you a good outline as to what CP soccer is. So in terms of uh, the, the, the landscape or the environment, the experience prior to CP soccer versus now, walk us through what your son and many others dealt with in terms of growing up as a child, uh, playing the game, and then, you know, the, the reason, um, you know, you started this is kind of the, 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 the junior pathway, the youth kind of pipeline for for the Paralympic team, uh, how that has changed the experience and environment for those kids. So what was it like before and and what is it like now for uh, a young athlete who uh, wants to play the game, aspires to play the game? Maybe they have CP, maybe they have something else that they're dealing with that, that qualifies them for this kind of Paralympic national team pathway and and you know, walk, walk us through what that was, what that would have been like for your son and others, uh, before CP soccer versus now. Oh, that's a great question. And thank you. That gives me an opportunity to really, um, shed some light on the issues that kids faced and how we can hopefully help others in the future. So effectively, before we started CP soccer, any and all kids who were with this, um, 
situation would effectively try to play either in mainstream soccer. In some instances, they would go to the U.S. Soccer's um, TOPS program. TOPS is a program offered by U.S. Soccer, which is a fabulous program. And But that's really broad-based. I mean, anyone with any kind of disability, be it physical, uh, cognitive, or otherwise, goes to uh, TOPS Soccer. And the volunteers in U.S. Soccer does a fabulous job. And that program is up and running. And I strongly recommend it for any player that doesn't fall under our um, criteria and even players that do fall under our criteria should still look at their local tops programs because there's many of them they're very good our program is very specific though and so a kid with cp stroke tbi typically would go to a mainstream soccer program and at five six seven eight depending on the severity of the stroke tbi or whatever they would likely be able to function within a regular soccer program and after extensive research research however we've established that Pretty much by the age eight, nine, or ten, most kids with stroke CBI, stroke TBI CP, are starting to be uh, pushed down the ladder and really struggling to to maintain a place in mainstream soccer. And for the most part, kids are done by ten, which means if you're if you're one of those players, you're pretty much not able to compete physically by the age of eight, nine, ten, and it really begins to take its toll. And up until this point, those kids had really nowhere to go other than maybe to a tops program or if they can get themselves into some level of rec program. But certainly anything above a rec program is usually out of the scope of those players. And that happened to my son at seven, eight years of age. We obviously knew he had a, you know, had CP and you could, it was noticeable. He had a limp and his arm was a little, you know, whatever. He was in physical therapy every day. He was getting injections. He was in line for surgeries as most CP stroke kids are and really struggled. And luckily, however, I owned the club. And so we effectively created a D team, an extra team for him to play on, which was effectively a rec, a rec team at travel level. And so he really struggled through his young years in, in travel soccer. And, and, and we just sort of, you know, kept him at it and kept him at it and kept him at it. And it was evident that by eight, nine and 10, if he really didn't step up his training and really do a lot more than every other kid, that playing at any degree of high travel team level soccer was not going to be for him. Fortunately for us, he chose to do that. He chose to put the work in and do the training and do whatever. And over the course of sort of 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, he worked his way from C to B to A and eventually ended up at 50, you know, on the A team in our club um, at 15 years of age. And obviously by, by then at 13, he'd already been picked up by the national team and was over there. And so inspired by the national team players that he was able to, uh, that he came home and just double tripled his training effort. And so now what we have is an opportunity for all these kids to come together in these cities and places where we locate. And what's important for these players is when they come to our camp in the summer, for example, is that they, you know, they're around their own. And so when we ran camp, we run camp every summer as well. And the kids after a week, we interview them. And one of the primary things they say is, you know, it was nice to have a week off from having to explain why our arm looks funny. It was nice having a week off from 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 worrying about whether we could do our shoelaces because we all helped each other do our shoelaces. And so now these kids have this opportunity to succeed with effectively their peers. And I think that's the difference. And we're not in every city, but that's our goal. We have a five-year plan. And U.S. soccer is, like I say, has is works is working with us on our five-year plan. Support beyond our wildest dreams from U.S. soccer and uh, Jim Morehouse, Stuart Sharp, and Seth Yon from U.S. soccer are just incredible partners in this in this venture with us. So, in in terms of um, you know the the pathway and the environment now. Uh, what cities are you in and in what kind of environments are you able to create now for players that uh, is different than what your son experienced at, you know, eight, nine, 10, having to kind of figure out, you know, you know, how do I, how do I stay in the game? Essentially, Uh, how do I stay connected to the game? so with your program now with CP soccer, you know, how many cities are you in? What cities are they and and what kind of environments in those cities can families uh, expect to encounter that uh, you've been able to create and and why uh, is that, you know, beneficial for them uh, versus, you know, the pathway that, that, or fragmented pathway, I guess I should say, uh, that existed before. Sure. So we are currently operating in New England, Boston. We have a New York City program. We have a New Jersey program. We have a Baltimore program, Atlanta, Miami, uh, two in Houston, and one in Dallas. So those are the locations that we currently operate on a weekly basis. And what we mean by that is 
pretty much throughout, you know, the a regular soccer season, once a week, volunteers come together. And for the most part, pr trained professionals, either voluntarily or people that we pay, meet the groups for at least, you know, in those time frames. Because kids sometimes travel from a distance, those sessions can, you know, they range from one to two hours. We run a two hour session here in New Jersey because we have kids traveling from Connecticut, South Jersey, all over. Uh, different groups run different ways. Um, and they are, like I said, they're basically put together by um, parent volunteers who rent the field, rent the trainers, and then they get together and they run a regular soccer session. Uh, we don't really change much. The kids do all the soccer stuff. We we focus a lot more on balance stuff because most issues, a lot of the issues for kids with CP and stuff like that are balance issues and, and one particular side of their body or both sides of their body may be affected. And so we do a lot more work on balance stuff such as, you know, um, stand on one leg, things like that, just to try to strengthen the weaker legs that, that they may have. Um, and so other than that, we run a regular cyber program. So they'll do technical training, they'll do small sided games, they'll do fun games, and then they'll play a little scrimmage at the end, do some shooting and, and somewhat in accordance with, you know, the ages, although the ages typically in almost all the sessions are fairly mixed because the groups, you know, they range in numbers from five kids to 25 kids. Uh, some cities get a few more. Some cities get a few less. Um, and, but within those cities and places that we operate, um, those are just fantastic, fun sessions. And each of them has their own Facebook page, but they're all interconnected to our main one. And, uh, you know, we get to see, I get to see weekly who's training where, what they're doing. And, and it's, you know, it's basically a, a, a soccer training program. It's really no different than you'd see anywhere else. The only difference is kids limp a little bit and that's about it. <laughs> so in terms of uh, a family who has a child that, that meets this criteria that you've uh, referenced a few times, uh, what are their costs for the, those families to participate in the program? Uh, nothing. We don't charge. Um, we're a nonprofit organization and all of our weekly sessions that we run are all completely free. We don't charge anything for that. Um, they're funded by fundraising. Uh, initially, everything was funded from our fundraising from the New York area. And we seeded all, almost all of the other cities, although I will say that the guys and girls, the, the, the men, the parents in the cities that we're currently working in are absolutely wonderful people who have done it. For example, Houston has raised a ton of money. They've done a great job. Uh, Baltimore raised a ton of money for themselves and they self-fund. Uh, so to come to our weekly training sessions doesn't cost anything. It's all totally free. You know, one of our, our mission is to make it as, in a, as affordable as any as, as we possibly can families typically with children with disabilities um, encounter extraordinarily uh, more costs than an average kid might cost medically and the idea of lumping feet we, you know we're, we're obviously don't care about making money we care about the fact that they get out there and play so typically that don't cost anything when we do things like european tours and you know when taking the teams overseas we do a combination of fundraising and parents may have to contribute if they can but our camp program is the same if you can pay to the camp that's great if you can't we offer scholarships so we we really make everything available for anyone there's no one that will be turned away if they want to play with us so the this this kind of setup that you've that you've done your your five-year plan is to take this and and go how far like how many cities are you looking to to get this into um over the, the this five-year plan and uh and then part of that or or after that ex can you explain how that uh links to the u.s uh paralympic national team for sure. So we would obviously like to be in every city, every in every city, probably every town across the country. There's a kid somewhere who has CP stroke TBI. And obviously we think soccer is a great vehicle for them to remain athletically engaged. Um, the uh, Again, we're very fortunate in the U.S. that the power programs, be it, be it track, be it um, basketball, all those are really wonderful programs. So there's obviously different opportunities. We're not in competition with those programs, but we're certainly an option for kids to play a sport that's really fun. It's a team sport, um, as well as anything else they may do, such as track. And, and almost all of our kids are multi-sport athletes, which I think is fantastic. And so the five-year plan includes expanding to all cities across the country as best we possibly can. It also includes stratifying the program so that we can offer um, adult programming. There's plenty of people out there with CP that are adults that play. Uh, for all the veterans from the national team still probably play. Uh, I know they play in, in, in regular soccer, but it would also be fun to create a national, t a national program for adults. Not a national team program, but a national program. 
because um, we're not the national team. We have, you know, we don't want to be the national team. They're they're their own thing, and they do a great job. The idea is also, for example, within our under twenty, we call it our under twenty one program currently, but. Um, for example, the World Club Championship is the highest level of club CP soccer offered by the International Federation. And so we'd want to, we, we're trying to create a program where we put together a club for that. But also, we don't want kids to miss out. If you're not making that level, we still want to have an opportunity for you. If you're, a, if you're an under 21 who's not going to make the national team, we want to make sure you have a place to play soccer. So we, there are plenty of festival opportunities and tournament opportunities for those guys to play. And in those opportunities, nobody cares how good or bad you are. You just, you're just one of the team. Um, so the, the five-year plan is to make sure everyone at every level at every age has an opportunity to play soccer with no one and where no, and, and, and truly no one gets cut because we don't, I mean, you show up, if you're eligible with those criteria, you're on the team. There's no, uh, there's no evaluation. We don't care. I mean, we do care because we, we care that you're there, but we don't care how good or bad you are. You're just on the team. Um, so the five-year plan is to make sure that any person of any age, any gender, um, had, oh, sorry. And the other part of the five-year plan is that, um, at the moment, there's no national team for women. The U.S. soccer is working tirelessly on that, which I think is a great initiative by them. They've really put a lot of time and effort into that. Credit to them to create a women's CP national team. Our objective is to create, you know, parallel to the effectively the boys one that we have, the same for women. And we do have a, a, num a lot of girls play in our program, but it's mixed gender at the moment. And we would seek to keep it that way, but also split off as we need to to, to help create the national program for the girls. So, um, real, real ambition here to, to spread this program and to connect it, um, in terms of the funding that you're doing, what kind of support or any funding resources are you getting from the Federation and from the, the U S Paralympic national team? So we get no funding from them whatsoever and they don't have it to give. And that's not their place to do that. It's not because they don't want to. I think they'd love to, but they don't have that option. But certainly U.S. soccer has opportunities for us to gain grants, which we certainly as new members of the Federation would seek to do, I think. And But we also get funding, for example, Allergen just gave us a $20,000 grant for um an opportunity to expand our base. So it's it, the, the grant was written in for us purely to um, recruit players. So we, we, we just got a real, that's a fabulous grant from Allergen. And we really appreciate that because it'll give us a real opportunity to go out and do Facebook advertising and marketing. That's what the grant's for. That's what we'll use it for. And so that's a really wonderful thing. And we're obviously in the, you know, we've, we have other grants that we've received. So we're grant funded and volunteer funded and donation funded. And on, on the subject of ambition, I'm very fortunate that my partner, Eli Hallowell in the program is a very can do person. He runs a fabulous company called Hair Story. And that is just, he's the, he's the typical entrepreneur. He's the typical, just, there's no such word as no, there's no such word as can't do it. He just does it. And when he says, we're going to do this, Asher, do you want to do this? We both look at each other and say, yep, let's do it. And we do it and we just do it. And that's what he's done here with the CP program three years ago. He said, I think we should do this. And I said, I think we should. And guess what? We did it. Um, so we get, in, we get fantastic, uh, moral, emotional, and technical support from, um, us soccer, but you know, again, it's not their place at the, 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 the team doesn't fund us, but we're pretty sure us soccer is going to be interested in helping us out through their grant program because we, I think we fall right under there. You know, we fall right in that wheelhouse to what they're interested in supporting. So as you've, you know, seen this, uh, you know, project through from its inception to now, and you have obviously personal uh, connections uh, to the story and to into the experience, the the whole thing with your son. Uh, walk us walk us through what it's like watching your son play for the U.S. Paralympic national team. What what is that like watching him and and how has that inspired you to put together this program for other kids in the country? <laughs> well, now you're gonna make me cry. Uh, thanks, Daniel. Um, you know, it's always nice. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about that. You know, Shay was um, uh, struggled, obviously, as we talked about through through regular soccer. Um, his teammates were extraordinary as a young player. They were supportive. I mean, he'd fall over all the time and 
uh, they always used to joke, get him in the penalty box because if you even touch him, he'll fall over, and that was legitimate, not a not a not a dive. Um, so as a youngster, he was you know prone to fall over a lot, couldn't strike the ball at all with his left foot, and his his um, teammates were extraordinarily, and the coaches around him, and everybody that was ever involved with him was extraordinarily um, supportive. And when he got this opportunity to go over to the national team program at 13, you know, my wife saw when the women's well, it was the women's World Cup actually in uh, Canada, I think it was in. Uh, yeah, five years ago when B- the BBC happened to be covering the World Cup uh, of CP soccer in England. And it was on the BBC feed. And my wife went, oh, there's a CP World Cup. Who knew that? Followed the links. And sure enough, we found out that the U.S. had one of the best CP national teams in the country. And uh, we immediately emailed and called them. And as it, Stuart was obviously over in England with the team at the time. When he got back from England, he immediately emailed us and said, so you have a player. He sent us a set of protocols to video Shay in, and we sent the video back to him with all the things that he'd asked to do, dribbling, shooting, striking, running, balance. We, you know, there's a whole protocol that we send out to players to give them a sense of where they fit in the, you know, um, the ladder, so to speak. He immediately said, wow, you know, we want to get Shay right out here. And within the month, he was flown out to uh, California to the, um, to the next training camp that Stuart had with the men's team. And at 13 years of age, he was way out of his depth in terms of size and ability and so on and so forth. But uh, it really was the uh, turning point. He met veterans who were on the team who have traumatic brain injuries. He met fellow stroke um, survivors. He met fellow um, CP players. And it was, it was, it was literally a pivotal moment, not only how Stuart and the team treated him in terms of their acceptance and in terms of being around people like that, but just the standard of soccer and the level at which they played at. And then he went, and so he came home from that. And from then on in, he's never stopped training. I mean, he trains every day, like an animal from literally from the age of 13 to today. I mean, he'll be, he'll be he'll be training today, you know, two or three hours. He does it every, he never misses except for his day off a week if he needs it or wants it. And I don't tell him. And so then eventually, you know, he got opportunity, you know, his first playing opportunity was the strangest one of all, because uh, as a 15 year old, he got the, they asked him to go to Chile with the team for two friendlies, a 10 day training camp in Chile to play two friendlies. And of course, you know, as dad, I asked if I could go along, not with the team. I wasn't allowed near the team. I wasn't allowed. Near, I don't, we're not, you know, no, no parents are allowed near U.S. soccer players when they're on the road. And I didn't expect to be and follow the rules. So I decided to fly down. So I went down for 10 days. And on the 10th day of the trip, uh, they played their second friendly game. And he got 30 seconds at the end of the game, somewhere deep in the middle of San, Santiago, Chile. And I watched it and uh yep had a few tears so that's what it's like and from then on in it was clear to me that we needed to have a program for these kids and that's really what was uh, the impetus was watching my kid in chile put on that shirt and watch him kiss the badge and just have this joy like no one else could ever imagine and uh, he loves playing for the badge he loves playing for the u.s he had an opportunity to play for england he declined that because he loved stewart he loved the team and he's a usa player for life and loves it so Kids in the in the country, around the country, that maybe don't have access to your program right now, uh, is there a way that you can connect with them or help them where they are, even though you may not have you know your programming running in their city? Is there something that you can do to can I, kind of connect with them in the interim uh, while you're you're working through your five year plan, so that other kids uh, can aspire to, to the same kind of dreams that your son has, uh, been able to experience. So another great question. And these, these times obviously bring about some interesting things that we're doing. First of all, I would strongly recommend reaching out to me, Ashley at cpsoccer.us. That's my email, uh, Ashley at cpsoccer.us or go on the website, cpsoccer.us. Um, that's the first thing to do. Connect with us, fill in the form there, register with us again, no fees anywhere. Um, just let us know who you are. At the and what we are starting on Monday is train with Shay. So Shay, luckily I own a sports facility and we staying within the guide. We're not open, so but I'm open to my children. So we leave our house in the morning. We draw her in the afternoon. We drive over to the facility, open up, and no one's here. And Shay and his brother do their workouts for their respective sports. His brother's a lacrosse footballer, football player. And so Shay does his workouts. And so what we're going to do on Monday is we're going to go live on Monday every day that he trains. And we're going to put it on our CP platforms so that, and we've already told most of our CP base that they can, you know, that's going to be your, your soccer training is going to be three 30 every day, wherever you are in the country with Shay. 
and players will have the opportunity to uh, log into us and go live with us and do the session along with him. He'll work at his rate and the activities we're going to do are basically what he does and what CP kids need to do. So immediately we're putting on a program in these difficult times where everyone can have it. Um, it when we get back to some normal life and life and we're not in your city, then we would urge those players to contact us. We have some really good ways of talking with local clubs to get you back involved with them. If you've sort of marginalized that a little bit, we have training programs we can give you. Uh, Nick Mayhew, arguably one of the best players in the world, has a brother called Tom Mayhew, who does a lot of our strength and conditioning work. And he is a world-class uh, strength and conditioning trainer and does a fabulous job for our, he's available online and to talk to any CP player across the country about a personalized training plan in terms of their strength and conditioning. We will, I will discuss personally with any player that contacts me in the CP world about what you can do individually. We can send you curriculum. We can send you plans. So we've got a fabulous support system available to you from your strength and conditioning work through to your soccer work through to watching our, watching our online stuff. And, and again, there's no, you know, we don't, we don't charge. Tom doesn't charge. I don't charge. There's no, this is all. We just want you to play. That's uh, that's fantastic. I, I'm sure uh, your son is uh, enjoying the opportunity to connect as well. Have you have you done in the past, and and are you looking to do in the future um, any kind of um, uh, you know social interaction where Shay or maybe other you know players can you know have kind of these um, you know. Uh, chats or or you know live stream type events uh, where kids around the country could kind of talk and interact on a social kind of interview q a kind of basis is that something you guys have ever considered and 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 on the other side of that equation how much do you think that would mean to uh, a kid dealing with you know tbi or, or cp or any of that that uh, you know maybe is interested in the game or, or really loves the game, um, you know, but is, is feeling like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm on an Island by myself. How much do you think that would have an impact on them? So that's a, another great question. And we have a couple of things we do. First of all, whenever we hear, whenever we hear from kids around the country, one of the first things we usually hear is, you know, I, I'm either not playing soccer now, or I'm really struggling to stay in soccer. So immediately what we do is I have, um, there's a young the probably arguably one of the best young female players in the country called Kat Morris, who lives in Cranford happens to live near us and Shay. So if I have a young female player from somewhere around the country or a young male player from around the country, I immediately text them and say, Kat there's a young girl. For example, there's a young player in Seattle, fabulous young girl in Seattle that we just found who's playing really struggling to stay in the game at age nine or, you know, starting to get moved down the ranks. But she, I watched her video. She's an excellent little player. And immediately Kat sent her a little personal video and contact details. So Kat's sort of her mentor, you know, hey, hey, how you doing out there in Seattle? Nice to talk to you. Great to see you. Just want to give you support, tell you what I do. So we have a teen mentor program right away. Shay does them for the boys. So anytime a young player around the country sort of, hey, I'm someone in Idaho and I'm, I'm struggling or whatever, Shay immediately sends them a little video vignette and gets in contact with them and gives them his details to put them in their network so they have someone who's a mentor right away. We haven't done the, the, the chat things yet. We are, That's absolutely on the, the horizon. It's part of the plan is to make sure that there's access to, to that kind of stuff. We've done a lot of that at our camp program. We, we have we have um, sit downs, you know, where the kids will all come together with Q and A's. Uh, Stuart makes the players very available to us from the national team. Anytime we have camp, he always patches players in from camp or gets players to come on Skype with us or online or in Zoom or wherever, where, whatever platform we need to make sure that they're interactive with us. Uh, sometimes they'll, you know, zoom into our training programs and speak to the players. And, you know, again, guys like Nick Mayhew, Drew Brammer, some of the top boys and they guards are all the top guys in the country. They're, they're regularly available. They're always online talking to people, sending messages, doing visits to schools, doing visits to programs. So we're very good at that. But I love we have not done the online Q&A. Well, we absolutely would do that. We'd love maybe maybe you can help us with that one. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't see why not. Um 
Look, uh, Ashley, I, I appreciate you coming on the show today and really kind of getting into what you guys do uh, and what you have to offer. If there was, uh, you know, as part of your five-year plan, if, if there was like a, a big idea at the end of this five-year plan, what is it? Is it is it to be in every city in the country? What is, What is your big aim and goal here? And secondly, how can anyone that, that, watches or listens to this show uh get involved or help uh with with this project uh to to help continue uh, you guys grow and achieve that that five-year mission and goal thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that um player identification is number one we know that they're you're out there we know that they're out there every city has players that are eligible for our program every city has a player who's struggling with playing the sport, who's going to walk away from the sport because they got cut or they just can't make it at the next level. We want to know who they are. Send them to us. We'll, 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 we'll work with them. We'll help them. Uh, you can always donate on our website at uh, cp, uh, cpsoccer.us. We always love donations. That would be fantastic. Um, and yes, our objective is to be in every city. We know a player somewhere or multiple players exist in every city. And if you want to volunteer and help us put it together, we'll give you what we have insurance. You know, the, one of the big things is insurance. We have insurance. We have centralized insurance. So if you start up a program, you just become a part of our insurance program. You don't have to think through that. If you need help navigating renting a field, we, we know how to we know how to bully people into giving us fields. Um, if you need to, you know, equipment, we know how to get you equipment. If you need uh, professional trainers, we'll we'll seed the program and hire the trainers for you initially until hopefully you can become self-funded or however that works. Anything if you are out there and if you're in the Kansas or wherever you are and you want to start a program, we we, we can make that one, two, three step real easy for you. Um, so, you know, let us know who you are. And uh, Daniel, I can't thank you enough for giving us the opportunity to, to, to talk about our program on your platform. And it was a, a lot of very in, in, insightful questions. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. I, I enjoyed getting to, to talk with you a little bit at the U.S. Soccer AGM in Nashville, uh, when, where you and your organization were officially uh, added as uh, members of the U.S. Soccer Federation um, and, and getting a chance to hear a little bit of your background story there uh, in, in that in that conversation, but also in, in the room when you were able to share from the floor. Um, in terms of, you know, the, the program itself, um, I, look, best of luck, uh, to you and, and, you know, any way that we can continue to promote, uh, you know, the, the mission and, and the work that you guys are doing, uh, feel free to reach out anytime. Uh, we, we are uh, a big believer in, in trying to make the game as accessible, uh, for all. And, and that is not just, you know, um, your your U.S. men's and women's national teams. Yesterday we had uh, the the captain of the uh, U.S. deaf men's national team on the show, Trip Neal. Um, you know, bringing the sport to everyone um, and 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 having them enjoy it in their way and play it uh, is part of what we love to do with this show and with this platform. And, uh, so I, I appreciate your work, uh, and, uh, and your mission. And I hope that others, um, will, uh, will take you up on your offer in terms of, of connecting and getting involved or engaged. Uh, maybe you're in, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma or Chicago, Illinois, St. Louis, who, who knows where you might be. And you're, you're wondering how, how do I, how do I, navigate this uh, just seems a lonely road and, and overwhelming there is an organization that can help you and and that is uh, cp soccer and ashley uh, uh just a big thank you to you for all of your your work and continue to enjoy uh watching your son um play with the u.s uh paralympic national team uh because i i know those are memories that uh, you'll always cherish and uh i i can hear you when you talk about uh that whole experience uh as a proud papa and uh so uh, uh that's that's awesome so uh keep up the great work um again for anyone that wants to connect with you how can they do that and and what's the website that i just want to make sure one more time we get this out to everyone how can they connect with you and, and what what website could they get to to get more information Sure. So uh, thank you again. Much appreciated. Uh, and and the young man trip from the deaf. He's a fabulous young man. What a, what a great program that is too. Ashley 
at cpsoccer.us, A-S-H-L-E-Y, at C as in cat, P as in Peter, soccer.us, or the website is cpsoccer.us. Connect with us through either of those methods. I'd love to hear from you, and I cannot thank you enough, Daniel. I really, I hope, I hope, uh, I hope you remain safe and well up there in Maine, and uh, be well. And thank you for uh, taking the time with me both at the at the at the convention and also today. Much appreciated. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. We appreciate it, and I hope your son recovers soon, and um, and that uh, you guys continue to. Uh, to, to grow the program and reach kids all across this country to get uh, more kids involved and in, in staying involved longer. So appreciate you coming on the show. Look forward to having you and, and even your son on the show uh, again soon. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you. That is Ashley Hammond of CP Soccer. Uh, check them out at cpsoccer.us uh, for more information. We'll be right back after this. child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. You could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. Thanks for watching the show today. I appreciate it as always. Um, Thanks to to Ashley for coming on the show and uh, talking about CP soccer. There's some really cool things happening uh, in in this country. And the more that we can get the Federation uh, in tune with those things, the better off we'll be. Uh, Being a Federation for all means uh, connecting with organizations like CP soccer, like the U.S. uh, Deaf Soccer Um, association and others Um, it's not just a matter of promotion relegation in major league soccer the usl versus amateur soccer it's it's about connecting us all and when you when you realize that when you get that in your head it it changes everything we should be the united states soccer federation not a federation for the few thanks for watching we'll see everyone again tomorrow